I want kids. I want a family. I want to be a mum. That's all I've ever wanted. My name is Ryan and that's my beautiful girlfriend, Bridget. Bridget's really keen to start a family and in the last episode, she really grilled me with the hard questions. Do you actually want to have kids with me at all? Why make all the excuses? If I told you right now that I was pregnant, how would you feel about that? Why sort of make all the excuses? Why not just say honestly, yes, I want them or no, I don't? Are you just going to keep making excuses until it's too late? If you want to hear our story from the beginning and you haven't already, go back to episode one and listen to it from the start. But in this episode, episode three of Am I Ready to Be a Father, it's going to be a little bit different because I'm talking fatherhood with this guy. Jimmy Barnes is Australian music royalty. Both solo and as the frontman of Cold Chisel, Jimmy's music credits are the most impressive in the business. And whilst his music career is a great story, his experiences regarding fatherhood are fascinating. In this episode, Jimmy and I talk about the difference between biological fathers and father figures. We talk about the balance of being a rock star and a father. And Jimmy reveals the main fears he had and still has about being a father himself. But first, let's start at the start. Jimmy Barnes was born as Jimmy Swan in Glasgow in Scotland. In his book, Working Class Boy, he talks about the dangerous streets of Glasgow and why the family moved to Australia when he was six. His dad was a drinker, he was rarely around and most of his income went to the pub and not to the family. Jimmy's mother struggled to keep up with and take care of their six children. The conditions were horrible, she had little to no money and the housing was questionable at best. It was tough, it was a struggle And Jimmy admits spending most of his childhood being scared and afraid, which sounds really sad, and it is. But I think it's quite brave that he's able to admit that and talk about it now. I asked Jimmy about this when we were sitting in his music room, the home studio in his house in regional New South Wales. I think one of the most refreshing things for me was to see, you know, a hard man, a rock star, um, (laughs) talking sort of pretty honestly about being scared and afraid and stuff like that. Yeah, I've not spent my lifetime that way. (laughs) Yeah, well, do you think you could have written this book in the 70s or 80s? Because I feel like back then for a man to say, oh, by the way, I was really scared, it it sort of... I know, yeah, time to change I, it, you know? No, well, I think there was there was still those sensitive new age guys around in those days. Yeah. They could have, probably could have done it, but the, the point was I wasn't ready to do it then. I, I mean, I couldn't have. I personally wasn't ready to sort of to, to lower my defences, or you know, or you know, um, particularly in the seventies and eighties, I was probably really trying to shove all the stuff as far back in my head as I could. So uh, I, I couldn't have written it then for that reason. Um, I, I think you know, you know. I don't think the times have changed that much. I think if I was capable and if I was ready, I could have done it, and I think probably people would have got it. Um, but uh, you know, maybe maybe it was a bit of youth, you know, twenty or thirty years down the track. You know, I'm not so I'm not so macho anymore. I don't, I yeah. don't care. You know, I saw what I cry at movies. You know? I yeah. don't care. <laughs> do you what think, are you gonna do? Fight me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you think the definition of what it is to be like a a real man has changed? I feel like read the start of the book when your dad's in Glasgow, and I feel like the real man was the you know 
chest pumped out, how much can you drink, how hard can you fight, that's what made someone a real man. And you don't buckle, you don't bend, yeah. you, don't, um, you don't show emotion. My dad would cry, but not when people are around. Right. My dad would cry if animals got hurt, if a dog got hurt. Really? You know, so behind seen, the scenes. You've seen was... a mouse in a trap, you know? Yeah. yeah. The blokes, you know, the blokes, the Scottish blokes weren't afraid to cry, but the only, the only time they did it was when they were drunk. Right. And then it was all like, you could do it when you were drunk, it was all acceptable and it was yeah. all forgiven the next day. Yeah. But my dad, my dad was sort of tough, yeah, and he sort of taught me, uh, I remember him t teaching me, you know, one of the things that really sticks in my head is, uh, you know, like about how tough the Scots are. The Scots have got this going on, we're, we're the hardest men in the world, don't let anybody tell you any different. And I, I, I didn't even know any difference, so I thought, all right, I'm the toughest man in the world. Yeah. And, you know, it took, took a few beatings to, to, to yeah. beat it out of me. But, yeah. uh, I think I think the perception of men in general is is morphing and changing all the time. I think it's indicative of a of a of a real man if you if you show your feelings now. If you yep. can, if you can, certainly if you can be in touch with him, you don't have to show him at the world, but you've got to be in touch with him yourself. Because a real a real man a real man is somebody who who cares, somebody who, who thinks, someone who is measured, someone who knows how to love himself and people around him. So you know, someone who can look after his kids. You know, a real man is not the guy down the pub fighting every night. That's an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and part of that was was society. You know, the, that whole you know the Marlborough man, you know, cigarettes and beer, and yeah. and leave the kids at home and the wife to do the washing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and that, that was all. That was all sort of you know real stereotypes. You know, even in my younger days, I knew I knew men who were really really you know gentle, warm. But still strong men. I knew yeah. people like that. Unfortunately, they just weren't in my family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some parts of the book were fascinating, but others were sort of quite harrowing in parts and, and pretty full on. Do you sometimes wish if you had your time again that your childhood would be a bit more pleasant? Or do you think it, it made you who you are and sort of toughened you up and got you ready for the real world? Um, I, I, you know, it's both again. What you've got to realise is when I wrote the book, I see I was writing a book, there were six kids, my, my, my brothers yep. and sisters, the six of us, and I couldn't write everything in that book because it would have implicated them or, or opened up wounds for them you yeah. know so i had to be very careful what i wrote so in writing this book i, I believe it or not i toned it down a lot right it was a lot worse than because i bet a lot of people read it and go this isn't toned toned down no, this is as real it as it toned, gets it was toned down yeah. and um I, I i'm one of these people who don't regret things you know and i've made a lot of mistakes and I've, and I've been in a lot of bad situations but i've um Everything, every step I've taken and every every mistake and every hurdle I've had to get over has brought me to where I am. Yeah. And I've said this on stage, you know, and I like who I am now, so really I couldn't change any of it. But I certainly wouldn't want anybody else to have to go through it. You yeah. know, I wouldn't want my kids to go through it. You know, yeah. It was a frightening time. As a child, Being a child was, was scary for me most of the time. When you're born in fear and poverty, surrounded by violence and alcoholism and all whatever, that sort of scars you for life. And, yep. and it's take, I'm, I'm 61, nearly 62, and it's taken me this long to even start to scratch the surface of dealing with that stuff. So those things, like as you said, you know, I, I mentioned that I was scared all the time. I, you know, even, even to this day, I'm still scared all the time. But, and that's from, you know, built in fear as a child. I'll run at things, if something's there, I'll run and charge at it, and, yeah. and you know, try, I've got, I'm brave, yeah. but I'm, I'm not, I haven't been courageous until, until recently. How would you define the difference? Bravery is like it sounds, it's bravado, you know, like, you know, I'll, I'll run and fight people and I'll, I'll, you know, stand there and beat my chest and all that stuff about being big and yep. strong and all that sort of stuff. It takes courage to say I was wrong, you know, it takes courage to say, oh, you know, I, I need to learn something or I need your help. It, need, it takes courage to go, I, I can't handle this alone. And, and I think one, I didn't, I couldn't move as a human being until I developed some courage. I, I was full of bravado. Jimmy changed his name from Jimmy Swan to Jimmy Barnes when he was a teenager, just after his mum got married to an Australian man called Reg Barnes. Jimmy describes Reg as an angel, his guardian angel. 
and we got talking about the difference between biological fathers and father figures. So you said you saw my video and so you know that I've never met my biological yeah, yeah. parents. But in my life, both who I call dad, who's my adoptive dad, but also like I've had lots of sports coaches and, mm -hmm. and even bosses at work that kind of act as a yeah. father figure yeah. without actually being my father. What's I, your I, thoughts on I having a father figure? Versus, I, think me, yeah. I think men uh, yeah. and boys need yeah. multiple role models. Yeah. Mold, you know, there's uh, you know particularly in the in the in the sort of working family. You know, you know, even if you've got a good family at home, your dad's going to be away working a lot. Yep. You know, you, they can't always be there for you all the time, and the, there has to be. Uh, a lot of positive role models in young men's lives. And this is something that I talk, you know, I've, I've been talking about on stage. I just think that, you know, like with schools and with, you know, education, uh, all the way through, you know, they, they talk about trying to make men, you know, be in touch with their feelings, uh, maybe taking them after high school and putting them in camps so they can learn how to be respectful of women and all sorts of yeah. stuff. You know, this, this stuff starts when you're three years old. Yeah. And you need positive role models in your life from the day you're born to, you know, I still need them. You know, now yeah. I still see people and I admire, and I go, oh, look at that. That's there's something I can learn. So you need that all the way along. My father, as bad as he was, you know, was was you know he he had he had good you know things that he taught me as well. Yeah. And they were just you know, even it was just about sort of that bravado thing about sort of not giving up. Yeah. You know, I I might have interpreted him wrong at the time, but but now I can look back and see. You know, he was trying to give me messages in his own way. But all the way along, you know, there's been like the one or two school teachers who were hard and, yeah. and fair, you know, who yeah. I realised I thought would give me a hard time, but they were really fair and they were really important in my growth. You know, the football coaches, there was, uh, there's been, you know, uh, Reg Barnes, my, my, my um, stepfather. Yeah. Reg, Reg was not prepared for a family. Yeah. Reg was a devout bachelor. Um, he was, uh, you know, he was going to be a priest at one point. I think, I think Red, Reg, um, you know, was just, he was just, a, he was a soft person. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the only reason he married my mom, I think, was to save us kids from, yeah. from, from ruin. And so, and when he did that, you know, I, I can look back on that now and say, there's a great example of courage. Yeah. There's a, there's a man who did what he had to do regardless of the outcome to himself yeah. and because he thought he could just help us for a bit you know and you know and and reg reg had a lot of mistakes and had a lot of a lot of faults too um yeah. but he uh the the way he put his his heart and his life on the line for us you know was something that uh in my life was ir irreplaceable you know and that's that's his piano behind you oh, so I, reg's... that's his reg's piano yeah right and uh, and i and, I've, and I've, i have it in my house and it's just like every time i look at it it reminds me of him you know yeah. um and, and, and you know, and he and he was there, and he and he was fumbling in the dark, trying to trying because he didn't know anything about kids, and yeah. he had juvenile delinquents. You know, yeah. there was, he had six of us. By the time we came along, we were definitely damaged. You know, we were yeah. beyond repair. But he tried his best to help us. You know, so yeah. you know, there's 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 been and even role models and friends. You know, I mean, I have friends. You know, I have friends who get up there and go, let's go get drunk and bloody, you know, fight and do all this sort of stuff. Yep. And then I get people like Don Walker who say, hey, what do you think of this album and play some. You know, amazing music that yeah. I have to think about, and I go, oh, you know. So yeah. Dom's like been a really great role model for me, yeah. you know. And he's just like a like a friend, you know. Yeah. He's a dear friend, like a brother. Um, so I think you continually find good role models all the all the, all the way through your life, and I think men need them, and yeah. I think probably women do too. I just I can only speak from from yeah. my perspective. I know I know as a as a as a young man, my father being away working and drinking, yeah. you know, most of the time he wasn't there, and I needed to find other role models. When Jimmy Barnes was just 16 years old, he found out he was about to become a father. A girl he knew who was also 16 told him that she was pregnant with their child. They were both shocked and scared. They were both far too young to become parents and that little baby boy that was born months later was adopted by a family friend. 
That little boy is now David Campbell. He hosts the morning show on Channel 9 and is a very successful musician and singer in his own right. Jimmy watched his son David grow up from a distance, but he didn't reveal he was the birth father until decades later. Well, actually, I was going to ask if you think that still needs to be the dad or just anyone, because you say in your book that, you know, sort of watching David grow up, you sort of thought that, you know, he needed a few more sort of father figures. Did that necessarily mean you or just someone? I th- I, you to- know, I, th- I think he, I think, as you know, if, obviously if, if your dad's within gra- yeah. you know, reach, if he's there and you're, not, and you're not communicating, that's tough. I think that makes it tough. Like me and David, it was hard. You know, and it was circumstance. We couldn't, we couldn't, I wasn't prepared. You know, I wasn't ready for it. I don't know, I, you know, even when I wanted to, I couldn't yep. do it. I didn't have the, what was necessary to be a father. Um... I think role models, you know, the the whole the whole um, same sex marriages and all that sort of stuff, and, and as as brought, you know, you just need good role models. You know, my wife Jane has has been one of the, my my major, you know, role models as a man because yep. she's she's made me stand up and face stuff. She's the one that will say, no, Jim, don't do this. You know, you can't have someone else do this. Do it yourself because you know you have to look people in the eye and, and you know if you have to yeah. sack someone and so they know why so they can get better at what they're doing yeah. and I go oh yeah okay man up Jim you know yeah. and, and so you can have good solid you know role models for, for you know you can be that role model for, for, for a woman as well as a, as a man and I think yeah. I think the, the, the lines have been the lines have been too sort of rigid for too long and now they're starting to blur and I think it's a lot healthier as a child for me even in the thick of all my, my parents dilemmas and fights and alcoholism there was women like uh, there's an auntie Mary that was a, a you know friend of the family really yep. who, who took me away for for times at different times and I stayed in her house yep. and she was a gentle sweet soulful uh, strong Scottish woman and and she was a role model for me that, that my mum couldn't have been yeah <laughs> you mentioned Reg before and I remember reading in the book that you sort of called him dad sort of by accident or it just sort of yeah, slipped yeah. out. Is that exactly how it happened? Do I think maybe subconsciously it's sort of almost the ultimate respect? To, yeah, it was sort yeah. of because we know. Reg, see, Reg, um, because we were, like I said, juvenile delinquents, my um, my brothers and sisters, they all, like, they wouldn't call him uh, dad at the start, yeah. you know, at all. John never did. It was yeah. Reg. There's only one dad. You yeah. Know? Uh, but I, 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 I think it I, I slipped out. You know, when I when I first called him, and I, because you know, my mum had taught, said, "Oh, you should call him dad," and I'm going, "Nah," you know. Yeah. Um, and it slipped out when I first did it, but I think it was because I realised that he was he was actually being that to me. You know, that's when when I remember when we were asked to change our names um, from Swan to Barnes. Uh, you know, the, the, this I looked and I thought about it. This guy was was the father that you know he he was the guy who was sort of up in the middle of the night, you know, helping when I was, when I wake up scared. He was the guy who would sort of sit me down and try and talk sense to me in the mornings, help me with my homework before he went to work, you know. He was the guy who would, you know, who would uh, take me and show me where he grew up and what, how he, you know, how he learned yeah. to respect his father and all sorts of stuff. My dad didn't do that. Yeah, did that mean a lot to Reg? Because obviously when you change your name, you didn't know that, Jimmy Barnes was going to be such a big mm. name across Australia. Did it mean a lot to him? To uh, yeah, and I think he was. I think he, he got very proud of me as as being being successful and all that yeah. sort of stuff. But more than more than anything, Reg just wanted me to be a decent person. I think even in the height of my success, you know, he could see me and see I was bloody wild, drunken, drug addict. Yeah, <laughs> and he was worried about me. You know, right. he he liked the fact that I was a you know I was I was doing well and all that. But he would have been much happier if I if I'd have been you know where I am now, which is yeah. you know where I found myself. Where I'm not, I'm not sort of, you know, running away from from the stuff that scares me. Where I've sort of started to look at my childhood, he would have been proud of me now. Yeah. Uh, and, and but he was proud of me all the way through. I, you know, I always tried to be, you know, I tried to live up to Reg's expectations because he was the only role model I had who had expectations yeah. of me. My my mom and dad didn't. You know, they didn't yeah. care. 
So on the flip side of that, do all your children call you dad? Because I know if I met my birth father, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd like to meet them and say hi, but I think I don't think I would ever call them dad, you know? So how you know is what, it for you? My, uh, David, David calls me dad and he calls me Jimmy, depending yep. on what the situations we're in. Yeah. Uh, when he talks about me, you know, he quite often, I, I hear him. It depends on the, on the mood he's in. Yeah. Um, and my girls, my girls sort of go, dad, dad, you know? Because you know, yeah. they have other families, you know? Yeah. Uh, my two girls. Oh, so they call you dad, but it's a bit, it's sort, a bit of sort of a bit hesitant. Yeah. And, I, and I ring up and say, it's your father. You know, yeah, it's your father. <laughs> you know? and, uh, but, but, you know, I don't expect to be dad just because i'm their birth father yeah <laughs> i you know i expect to be a father because i'm in their lives my girls were growing up when i met them they're in their 30s and um and my two girls from adelaide and i i just wanted to let them know that you know because they've been so long that they've been without me yeah. i just want to be there but i'm not trying to replace anybody that was already in their yeah. lives so if they have a, a dad in their lives i'm so happy yeah you know? but if i can add to that and, and bring something to that table then 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 maybe they can call me dad but you know yeah. they don't have to but uh, my kids all call me, call me, they didn't yeah. call me Jimmy. Jimmy and I are sitting in the music room at his house and it's just a few days before Father's Day. We were chatting about what Mother's Day and Father's Day means to people like us who... Well, let's just say have slightly different and non-traditional family histories. Um, we're just on that, and you might have just answered it. But what does Father's Day mean to you? Because I know for me, for Mother's Day and Father's Day, I'll you know I'll go and see my mum and dad. But it also reminds me of you know sort of the past and, and my adoption and stuff. So it's a bit of a weird, weird one for you. Does it? Yeah, what's it mean you know, to you for I Father's mean, Day? Well, f- you know the thing is for you. For us, I mean, yeah. for me, I, Father's and Mother's Day, you know, have different th- things to me. They, 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 you know, I think about my kids and my, my beautiful wife, Jane. I think about her, how great a mother she is, you know. Yeah. And, and when I celebrate Mother's Day, I celebrate with her. I don't celebrate for my mum. And it's not because they don't love her. Yeah. You know, the, the last Mother's Day that's just gone, uh, you know, I went, I went down to the, the cemetery in, in Barrow where I buried my mum. And I remember standing there and it was part of that, part of that, uh, that day was part of how I sort of, let go of the past and I went down and I just said you know look all your bloody pain and all your you know all the stuff that you collected and that was killing you inside I'm not going to carry it on yeah. and so some so Mother's Day became sort of like um, you know liberation day yeah, for me right, yeah. so I went there and I said I love you but you're taking it all to your grave with you I'm not going to carry on your fears and your you know, pain anymore. I've got to live my own life. Yeah. So that was that was sort of liberating for me. You know, I, I, you know, it's Father's Day. I, sometimes I, you know, I just get the, my kids will bring me in, you know, breakfast in bed or, or something like that. And it's just a little way. You know, we should be thinking about that every day of the every day of the year. Yeah, we should we be doing it for each other. Day. You know, <laughs> no, we have love breakfast in bed every yeah. day. But we, should, but we should be doing it every day. But it just reminds. It's like Christmas. Just reminds you to be good to each other. Yeah. Be good to your parents. You know. And you know, you, you, you. I think you, like you said on your in your blog. You know, you were lucky enough to have great parents yeah you know you're so many kids with their birth parents don't have that yeah you know i i lived with my with my birth parents for you know nine years or something and all it did was mess me up you know really yeah. mess me up and it wasn't because they didn't love me because they couldn't do it they couldn't cope you were lucky that you had people who, who cared about you and whether your mom let you go because you were because she wanted the best for you or yep. whether she let you go because she just couldn't deal with it. Yeah. Whatever it is, it's meant to be. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. meant to be, and I think you'll be a, you're a better man for it. And uh, you know, I'd like to sit and when I watched your blog, I thought I was, if I was your mum when I was sitting out there, I would be really proud. I would yeah. be really proud that you just that you'd even got to this point and you and you, you know, you were on you're on 
on point with your message. It was yeah. good. Well, cool. Thanks for that. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. I, I was very yeah. touched. Yeah. Um, with my girlfriend, Bridget, we're thinking about having children. Yeah. And I've done a lot of traveling and moved around and stuff like that. And for me, having kids means sort of like settling down, yeah. if you will. For you, when you think of a touring rock star yeah. and you think of a dad, it sort of seems like two different lives. So how did you <laughs> Well, it, it was sort of like, it was like sliding doors with me. You know, I mean, for a long time there, you know, I'd be, I'd be like this doting father. You know, we lived on the farm, you know, and I'd take the kids horse riding and, you know, riding on the back of the dog and stuff like this. And, and then I'd go out on tour and just, you know, be a complete lunatic. And there were two worlds that sort of like every now and again sort of cross paths. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and then eventually, like, like I said, fathers tend to be away at work a lot and, and miss their kids. So, and I was doing that. So we started taking the kids on tour with us everywhere. Yeah. And there, then the lines got really blurry and we, you know, they, they'd see me getting trashed and falling yeah. over. And, Is that you not, know, you, well, maybe my kids shouldn't be oh, here no, or see that? You know or? what, they've got to see, your, the, the kids have got to see your faults as well as, as, well yeah. as your, your, your good points. And, um, you know, I just, I, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes. I don't hide things from my kids. And the stuff they, they sit me down and tell me they don't like and the stuff I know they don't like and the stuff that's, that's hurt me because I've did it in front of them. Yeah. But, the, you know, if I lived separate and didn't let them see the real me, yeah. you know, they're not going to have the real information. Yeah. And so they have to, you have to be honest with them. And that's why writing this book was a really good thing for me. Because yeah. now, not only did they, you know, because this is the, the stuff in the first book, I hadn't, I hadn't told anybody. I hadn't spoke yeah. to my wife about it much. Yeah, a little right. bit, not much. I hadn't spoke, certainly hadn't spoke to the kids. So did she read the book like everyone else and go, yeah. oh, wow. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. she yeah. did. And she sort of knew, but there was a lot of it she didn't. And, it, you know, and it's sort of, for a while they were just kept walking up and cuddling me, you know. <laughs> but uh, but it gave them an insight into, and as it did me, into why I behave the way I have. I guess my main fear of me having kids is that sort of lack of freedom because I've, you know, had offers to go work at a radio station in Thailand and I go, cool, let's go. And, I, and for me, it's that, oh, if I've got kids, maybe I'll have to sacrifice a bit of that. Do you think what... Oh, but you know what, well, yeah, yeah. You, do, you do give up things, yeah. but you gain so much more. I mean, um, yeah. but just when you, when you have a, a child that, that looks at you and, and adores you and looks at you and goes, Dad, can you do this with me? Yeah. You know, just, Thailand's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> nothing. yeah. You know, yeah. when you've got a kid, you know, in the middle of the night who's coughing and you need to take him to the hospital and they look at you and, and they need you so much, yeah. nothing else matters. Yeah. Nothing else matters. So it's, it's not a, it's not a, you don't, it's not a, you don't have to choose. It's just mm. something that happens. Once you yeah. get your children, that'll happen. Yeah. Um, was there one thing for you that was the main The other thing I wanted to tell you though about, yeah. about maybe tracking down your birth parents. Yeah. One of the reasons my girls from Adelaide yeah. did it because they wanted to know genetically Right. What they were predisposed to. Yeah, well, I can't tell you how many times I've been at the doctor and they say, have you got a family history of this? And I yeah, go, I don't know. know. <laughs> so, so that's an interesting thing, especially when you're thinking about having a family yourself. Yeah. Because that's why my girls want to know it, because they want to find out what their what their kids should be expecting and what they themselves should be expecting. Yeah. You know? Now they know that you're predisposed to alcoholism <laughs> and singing a lot. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but was there one thing in particular, and maybe parenthood got thrust on you rather than making a choice, but was there one thing in particular that you were kind of a bit scared of or unsure about being a father uh you know what i was i was always scared of being a father and i was and i was scared about you know not being good enough you know not being and and you know i, I I've, I've had these nagging voices in my head that i'm that i'm just always going to be like my parents you know yep. and, and there's something that that eats away at me and it's it's that's been half of my battle over the years so yep. you know a lot of the drinking and 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 wildness and all that was just me trying to sort of drown out this this sort of self you know uh, loathing uh, that comes from from you know from poverty and and fear uh, and guilt uh, so uh, you know I, I kept thinking to myself I'm not a good enough 
father. I'm not going to be a good enough father. Eventually, I'm going to be like my dad. I'm going to run away. You know, yeah. uh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm not going to be there for them. Um, and 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 that sort of, you know. There was times where probably my wife and kids would probably have preferred I ran away because I, you know, I was worse. I was in a worse state being there, but yeah. I, I stuck around because I didn't want to be like my dad. Yeah. But at the same yeah. time, I was being like my dad by doing it. You know? Yeah. And so, yeah. so you know, really, I, I think you just have to take it day by day. You know, you don't. You know, we're all scared of, of soft stuff. Uh, responsibility is a big thing, um, but but the, the 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 pros certainly outweigh the cons. You know, just you know, every time, every single time I see my children. You know, even the you know, my David's forty something now, you know, and every time I see them, you know, I go, look at this, look at this, you know, it's like, it's like having, you know, like if you if you see yourself as a, like a computer, these yeah. are the guys with the new software. Yeah, <laughs> you look at them, oh, look, I yeah. wish I'd have been that good when I was that age. Yeah, right. You know, they're, they're like they they take everything you've got and they update the software and run yeah. with it. It's just awesome. Yeah. Um. You say then that you were scared that you didn't want to be like your dad. Has there been a moment, or will there be a moment when you can actually stop? Like we're in your beautiful house now. Um, you've talked about all of the loving children and family. Is there a time when you've gone, well, no, I'm not like that? Well, I, you know, I'm starting, I'm, starting, yeah. I'm starting to feel that, but it's taken me 60 years, you know, yeah. I mean, and, and a lot of money in therapy. You know, I, I, the, the other thing, that I, you know, about being, being a man and being you know, all this sort of yeah. stuff, I, 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 thought, I always thought that if somebody asked for help, that was, that was a sign of weakness, you know, and I thought, yeah. you know, the Scotsman, we didn't ask for help. He didn't yeah. talk to people about your problems, you know, yeah. except to your mates in the pub when you're pissed. Yeah. You know, I've been, for the last five years, at least once a week, I see a therapist. Yeah. And I can't tell you how much that's helped. And it's not that they're, they're giving you any sort of super cures for anything or, or it's just sitting, talking to yep. a, a man sh- straight up who's not judging you, who's, 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 who's not sort of drunk and sort of agreeing with you for the sake of it. <laughs> yeah, 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 who yeah. can point out something, <laughs> yeah. you know, maybe you should look at it this way, that really helps. And, uh, and I think getting help for me is, you know, I've, went to, I've been to rehabs to help with addiction, but I didn't, look, I didn't stay, I said four weeks, you know, it's just enough to clear up the, you know, the symptoms, yep. never mind the problem, the real, the real problem. Uh, so getting to the core of the real problem takes help. And, 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 and I think that, that thing about courageousness and, and courage, I think part of when I started to show courage is when I asked for help. And, uh, yeah. and that's when I start to, to grow. And it's and believe I'm still a work in progress. I can sit here with a beautiful house, can have everything in the world, but you still have to learn how to appreciate it. And I still fight those voices every now and again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If there was one thing you could say to younger Jimmy just before you became a dad, whether it's a practical advice about being a dad or just sort of anything else, what would you tell yourself? Don't be afraid. Yeah. Don't be afraid. It's going to be okay. You know. Uh, and you're you're okay. You're okay. You don't. You're not me. Yeah. <laughs> if I was my dad telling me, yeah, that's what I say. You're not me. Yeah. You 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 can do this. <laughs> yeah, great. And don't don't let me drag you down. Yeah. And what would you say to people like me that, you know, I've got all these excuses. I've got all these reasons. My beautiful girlfriend Bridget is tolerating me for some reason, but she's really <laughs> really keen to start a family. What would you say to people who are umming and ahhing and are not sure about it? Um, you know what? Uh, you've got to be ready. Don't rush into it because you know kids. You know kids really really need you to be balanced and ready for it, you know? So both of you gotta be ready, but that big step is, it's, you know, blokes don't like change. You know, they think that freedom thing and about, about that being able to turn and leave on, on a dime. And it's yeah. not just, we are couples, young couples I know are here about not having kids because, oh, well, we won't be able to do this. But you have, you, when you're ready to have kids, you, you, you gain so much more, and you, but you've gotta be ready to deal with it. You know, yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's worth having kids just to sort of, to settle you down. You know, for instance, yeah. you've got to be ready to do it, and and it's and it's always going to be scary. You know, it's always going to be uh, an adventure, but that's what life's about. You know, you don't um, 
you know, you're, you're never you're never ready for any big step in your life. Yeah. You always you can do all the prep you want, but there's always something else yeah. you learn on the job. Yeah. And and most of the best training you get is on the job yeah. when you're in the deep end. Yeah. I throw myself in the deep end all the time and, and fight my way out. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, obviously, you don't know her, but. What would you say to Bridget in terms of, because you said Jane was such a big help for you in sort of helping you sort of, you know, make some big decisions in your life? Well, you know, like I said, just do uh, the same thing. Do it when you're ready, both of you. Uh, and if you, you know, and if you, and if, if you don't want to do it and, and she does, go and find somebody else. <laughs> but, but you, don't tell her that. You seem like, you know, you seem like a good guy. And when, yeah. you, when you're both ready, you know, you, you'll do it. You know, you can't, you can't pressure each other. You've both, yeah. got, to, both got to be ready. You know, I remember, you know, Jane asked me to marry her. You know, I remember I was really? sick. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I remember one day she's going, so what are we doing? Are we going to get serious or what? And I'm going, what, no? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bloke, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, lying in bed. I'm like, no, oh, really? Oh. Yeah. And she said, well, if, we, if we're not going to get serious, if we're not going to move on, I'm going to go back to university and do something in my life and, and go to America. And I said, what do you want to do? And she said, I want to get married or, or else I'm going to go. Yeah. And I said, I... And I didn't want to lose, and I went, yeah. uh, "Okay, we'll get married." Yeah. Right? But really, I should have, I should have thought a lot more before I answered, because you know, <laughs> I mean, I'm so glad I married her. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, I really didn't think about what marriage was until, until, what time is it? A few minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, your advice to Bridget would be threats and blackmail. No, no, no. I, I, no when you're ready, do it. Yeah. And I, I, you, know, you know yourself, you know. And if she, and if you, if she's right for you and you're right for her, neither of you are going to give up on each other. Kids are Jimmy Barnes is an Australian music icon and it was an absolute pleasure and honour to spend time with him and his wife Jane in their beautiful house in regional New South Wales. So thanks again guys for having me and thanks heaps for having us in for lunch when we were finished with our conversation. As you heard in our chat and many times in the first two episodes of this series, a big issue for me is work-life balance and figuring out how I'll have enough time to be a great dad. So in the next episode, I'm going to hit it head on and we'll have a bit of a roundtable. It'll include my current colleague and radio co-host Tanya, my boss Rod, a parenting expert and PhD Justin Coulson, my girlfriend Bridget, and spoiler alert, there's going to be tears. Thanks to Jimmy and Jane Barnes for inviting me into their house to record this episode. Thank you to Brad March, Reese Kerr and Matthew Heap for their behind-the-scenes work and organisation. And thank you to Brody Green for mixing the audio for this episode. My name is Ryan John and this is Am I Ready to Be a Father? We'll chat to you next time. <laughs>